0: Welcome as we are starting our look at at, um, Ephesians. On uh, on Sundays, uh, occasionally I get the privilege to um, preach and I have people ask me, hey, do you get nervous? And I I think what they mean probably is more so like the public speaking. Uh, I guess public speaking is one of the number one fears that people have. And um, I do not have that fear, so public speaking does not bother me. But what does uh, make me nervous and what I do... Kind of lose sleep about or lose sleep over and stress out about is making sure that when I get to preach, when I get to, to do these studies, um, one of the things that bothers me the most um, is being able to, to properly carry the weights that Scripture um, holds and being able to, to adequately teach and communicate. Um, what God is, is speaking to us. And that's, that's a big task. I don't take it lightly because I want our, our church to know the Bible. Um, I want to make sure that I'm being a good steward of God's word. And so that's, that's where I get anxious. Um, and, and as I've been reading through Ephesians and studying it, there are some things in Ephesians um, that are, I, I don't want to say controversial because it's in, in the word of God, but um, when it comes to maybe uh, our views and our beliefs, Um, it might butt up against what we believe or what we think we know about God. And so um, I I just want to put it out at the beginning that there's going to be times where the Word of God challenges us, um, the Word of God cuts us, the Word of God um, exposes maybe some of our our incorrect theology. I know it has for me, um, and I'm still learning. Uh, and, And some of the things that we'll be talking about have been debated for centuries, right? So it's nothing... New um, you know, and, and so, so this, is, this is a lot of how I understand the scripture, how I study the scripture. Um, it, it may not uh, agree with how you understand and how you study the scripture, and that 's okay i 'm all good for for debates. Um, there are some non-negotiables well back. Like, no, this is what the Bible says, um, but some of these things, uh, like I said, they 've been debated for centuries we 're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit um and i don't know if it's this year or maybe early next year um that may you may be like uh, but what about this what about that you know and i just want us to have a complete understanding of the holy spirit it might uh you might disagree with it you might think i'm overlooking an important aspect but um what i want is is for the word of god to to cut us to to expose us um to do what it does and to convict us, um, but ultimately that we all are able to grow in the knowledge of who God is, and so that's what that's what I want midweek to be. Um, and so I appreciate you guys being here um, as we are starting this first one for the fall semester. of 2023. So with that, let's jump into Ephesians. Um, We're going to be getting into all of the first three verses of Ephesians. Like I said, a lot of it is kind of intro stuff, um, just talking about themes and purposes and all that good stuff. And so let's read the first three verses. Um, It says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So this is where we're going to be. So as we are beginning our look at Ephesians, I did this when we started our look at the book of John, the beginning of last year, when we very first started our midweek service, that we're going to look at it just kind of the the historical context, who the audience is. So as we're reading and moving forward, we're all on the same page. So I'm pretty big on context and making sure that we understand like who it's written to because the Bible isn't written to us. This letter in Ephesians, I I wasn't alive in the first century in Ephesus, right? So it's not to me, but it is for me. There's still truths that are for us. Like the word of God is for us, but it's not. Specifically written to us. Paul didn't say to Michael Ballard in Broken Arrow, right? He said to the Saints in Ephesus. And so we're we're um about context here. So as we're looking at this, uh softball question: who wrote Ephesians? Paul, there you go. Very literally the first word in the book of Ephesians. Um, Paul wrote it. So we're not gonna spend a whole lot of time here, but there is a, a little pet peeve of mine. Um, if you've ever heard a preacher or a message uh, that's preached like God changed Abraham's name, God changed Jacob's name, God changed Paul's name, and He can change you as well. Anyone ever heard a sermon like that? A few people. Um, it sounds great. Uh, the first two are, are true. Um, there's not a scripture where Paul or where God says, "Hey, you are Saul today; you are Paul." There's that's God did not change Paul's name. Um, that this is a pet peeve of mine. So it's you know this is just my soapbox. It's a, you can check out now if you want to. Um, Paul was a Jew. Uh, before he was converted, what was he? What was he Drive. Like, this is the study of Judaism, right? He was a Pharisee. Um, he had a solid Jewish name, Saul. That's his Hebrew name. Paul was also a Roman citizen. So he had, like, kind of dual citizenship, if you will. Um, and his Roman name was Paul. Uh, it would be like if I had dual citizenship in the U.S. and Mexico. I'd be Michael in America, um, and my Hispanic name would probably be Miguel, right? And, and if God called me, said, hey, leave everything you know in America, move to Mexico to preach the gospel, become all things to all people so that some might be saved, I'm probably going to immerse myself in that culture, I'm probably going to go by Miguel, right? And so, so God doesn't change Saul's name to Paul, but Paul is the primary apostle to the Gentiles, Um, Peter was the primary apostle to the Jews. Paul's the primary apostle to the Gentiles. And so it makes sense that he uses his Gentile name, his Roman name, as he is the apostle to this group of people. So, um, so we look at it, you know, there, there's his Hebrew name and there's his, his Greek name, um, up there, but same guy, God didn't change his name. Definitely had a major conversion, right? Crazy, crazy conversion, Um, but not necessarily the name change. Anyway, my point is don't let pastors take something out of context to make a good point. Anyway, moving on off my uh, soapbox. So um, if we're looking at when Ephesians was written, we can narrow it down to a a pretty specific window. Um, We see in Ephesians chapter three, chapter four, and chapter six that Paul writes this. See if you can catch any any similarities or any uh, common themes. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, um, Ephesians chapter four, verse one, therefore, uh, a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called, Ephesians 620, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Any, any, you see in anything where Paul might be spending his time through these three verses, what, what are you getting out of these? Prisoner, prisoner in chains, where do you think Paul's, you know, hanging out? In prison, yeah, he's, he's doing his first stint in the clink during, as he's writing um, Ephesians. So we can narrow it down to a couple of, uh, you know, between 60 AD and 62 AD, when Paul uh, is spending his first time in prison. Um, and during his, his time in prison, he writes um, Philippians, he writes Colossians, he writes Ephesians, he writes Philemon, which is crazy, because as, you read, as we read Ephesians, and we're going to get to that here in just a second, you would think that someone who's spending time in a prison might have a little bit darker view of of life, right? Oh, uh, this suffering is awful. Why, why, why? But you read some of these, like Ephesians is this beautiful letter to the church. And you have to remember, he's writing this as he's in prison. He's not writing this as he's like being fed grapes by his servants, right? He's um, in prison for the gospel. He gets released around 62 AD, writes 1 Timothy, gets imprisoned again, 65-ish A.D., um, right? Second Timothy isn't executed um, in 68 A.D. So uh, just something to keep in mind as we're reading um, the New Testament, as we're reading the Pauline Epistles, you know that several of his letters are written while he's in prison, and you still see this, um, this high view of God that despite what he's going through, um, he still has utmost faith in God. Um, if we're looking at why the book was written, Um, unlike some other books, there wasn't this huge pressing concern. Like if you look at the book of Galatians, Paul starts out pretty quick and he's like, I'm astonished at how quickly you turned away from the truth. Like there was this, this pressing matter that Paul, no, 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 we've got to address this, this false gospel, these false teachers that you're following. And so Paul is like expressly addressing this. But if we're looking at Ephesians, um, many believers or many scholars believe that, that Tychus, um, one of Paul's, uh, companions. If we look in Colossians four seven, that that Tychus is a, um, a faithful brother, uh, faithful servant in the Lord. Uh, we look in Acts chapter twenty that that Tychus and and Timothy and um, these other guys are, are following Paul um, from from Corinth to Asia Minor. Um, that Tychus has taken this letter, not necessarily just to Ephesians, but to several churches in the region, and. and the, the the copy that we have um, is the one that's specific to the church in Ephesus, um, and so this letter is meant for all of the churches in Asia Minor at that time. That they read it, and then they they take it to another church. They read it, and they take it to another church, and so they're all getting the same letter. We're just looking at the one to the church in Ephesus. So it might have been like to the church in fill in the blank here, and we're like Ephesus, right? And so this is the one that we're reading, but. Like I said, there wasn't this huge pressing controversy that Paul is having to address. But more so, um, Paul is is expounding and explaining to these churches the fullness and the riches and the blessing that's in Christ Jesus. If you look, um, I have to keep making sure I have the right notes on the screen, that this phrase in Christ is repeated about 15 times or in him is repeated about 15 times. Through the letter of uh, to the letter to the church in, in, in Ephesus, and so that 's a major theme that there 's this fullness, these blessings, this riches that come in Christ. Uh, we look at, at, at ephesians and it 's um, this mystery of the church that 's explained and we 'll get to that in chapter three, but this idea that it 's no longer just the Jews who are grafted in, but it 's the Gentiles that are grafted in as well this mystery that was that was kind of hidden from the Old Testament saints and prophets, that, that it's God's now revealed in Christ, that the church is now, the body of, church, the body of Christ, uh, the church, if you will, now comprises not just Jews, but Gentiles as well. And so um, we're going to look at these mysteries um, that Paul talks about that are revealed um, in this, this new covenant. And we, we look at Ephesians and we see that the first half, the first three chapters is full of theological truths, um, deep theological truths. The last three chapters, a lot more practical and how to live out these truths, how to apply them to your life. And so there's just a little bit of our look at the book of Ephesians, the intro to it, kind of some of the historical context that we keep in mind as we're reading this letter um, so, so those are just some, some different things to keep in mind. Um, but we'll be starting in Ephesians chapter one, read verses one through three. We read them earlier. We'll read them uh, here again. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So, I've said it earlier, I've said it again tonight, or I'll say it again right now, but I'm kind of big on context, making sure that we all understand um, who the letter's written to, you know, the setting, you know, why it was written. So right out of the gate, um, Paul establishes who he is writing to, who is the target audience for Paul? The church, the saints, the faithful in Christ Jesus, right? Right out of the gate, he establishes this. So whether it's the saints in Ephesus or the saints in these other churches, um, this is Paul's target audience. So as we are reading it today, this is a letter for believers, right? This is a letters for those whom God has chosen and said, hey, these are my people um, and people who are faithful to Christ, and and you see, most books of the New Testament will do this. They'll they'll establish their target audience. Some books we have to read and dig a little bit and say, okay, who's who are they trying to target here? Who's who's their audience? Um, like we look at Galatians, Paul says to the churches in Galatia. We look at Titus to Titus. Um, he was a believer. We look at Philemon, he's a believer. Um, it says right out of the gate, to so Philemon, our fellow, fellow worker. Um, we look at the book of Hebrews. It's written to these these Jewish converts. And while it's still targeting some of these these unbelieving Jews who are holding on to these traditions, the target audience um, is the, this, the Jewish community. We look at James, who's writing to the 12 tribes of the dispersion. We look at 1 Peter, um, he says to the elect exiles, a letter to believers. Second John is to the elect lady and her children, Jude, to those who are called beloved in God, the father and kept for Christ Jesus. Revelation to the seven churches that are in Asia. Um, and so, so we see this happen a lot in the New Testament where the audience is, is brought right out of the gate. Um, and so as we're reading the word of God, what I want us to understand is that the word of God is for everyone but it's for everyone in vastly different reasons. Um, if you look at it for believers, man, the word of God is God revealing himself to us. The word of God um, is God's redemption story through our history. The word of God is life. The word of God is truth. The word of God um, is, is our, our book in which we, we determine how we live and what we believe, right? That this is, um, this is life. But if an unbeliever reads it, the Bible says that it's foolishness to them. It doesn't make sense. If an unbeliever reads it, it's warning. It's judgment. And so while the word of God is for everyone, it's for everyone in different ways. And so an unbeliever reading the book of Ephesians isn't going to grasp the riches, the fullness that's in Christ. Um, now an unbeliever reading it it is convicted that God is working on them and changing them and that the word of God cuts them, and they're like, oh my gosh, right? It can absolutely do that. But someone who's not faithful, someone who's an unbeliever reading the word of God, man, it's just, a, it's a warning. It's judgment. Um, and so so as we're reading the word of God, as we're telling people about the gospel, we've got to keep this in mind, that there's some people where there's like, that's nonsense. I don't believe it. That's, it. On, on a much watered down scale, it'd be like you telling someone about your favorite restaurant. They're like, that's the worst restaurant I've ever had in my life. And it's like, how can that be? Right? But God makes the foolish things, uh, or makes the wise seem foolish, right? And so we, so it's, so we have to understand that. Um, that even as we're preaching on Sundays, there's going to be some people who come in who aren't believers. And they're hearing about it, and they're like, whatever. But then you see some people like, man, that cut me. Why? Because the word of God applies to everyone, but it applies to everyone in different ways, and so if we look at, at this book in Ephesians, we see that it's to the saints. Saints, um, in the Greek, is uh, there we go, is uh, hagios. It's someone whom God has set apart for Himself and made them holy through their faith in Christ. This this phrase in Christ. Um, As we're reading Ephesians, remember, this is a big theme in Ephesians. And so um, we see Paul's description of the saints uh, in Ephesus. They're faithful in Christ Jesus. And there's kind of these two aspects here that God has made us holy, that God has set us apart, um, that God has worked in our lives, that we can't make ourselves holy, that God is the one who's done the work. Um, and has that perfect righteousness placed to our account. We read in Romans chapter three, verses 21 and 22, um, but now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in who? In Christ, for all who believe um, that it is through Christ that we have this righteousness, this holiness um, credited to us. First Corinthians one thirty. and because of him you are in, uh, because of him you are in who? Christ, there we go, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And then Philippians 3, 9, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of our own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So we see that our righteousness, our holiness um, comes through faith. And, and, and so there's these two aspects God did the work and then we are faithful in obedience right that God has set us apart and by the work of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives uh, we're no longer slaves to sin but Romans tells us that we're what slaves to righteousness we're slaves to Christ um, and this is what Romans 6 is all about. Uh, we use the word slave and it we are you know we kind of might get a little sketchy because of the history it has in the United States uh, but when we read the word slave in the New Testament, um, it means that we're bonded to Christ. So we're slave to sin, we're bonded to sin. We're, we're, um, we've given up ourselves into control of sin. But when we're slaves to Christ, it's this idea that we are tied to him. And we're saying, all right, I've given up myself and now I'm tied to Christ. And because we're tied to Christ, it means that we're gonna be committed. We're going to be faithful to him. Now, are we always faithful, always perfect? Do we always walk in, in obedience as we should? Nope, no, we sin right? We fall short. We mess up. But because, of, because God has set us apart, we have the Holy Spirit, which convicts us, which corrects us. Um, we repent. We turn from that, and we continue following Christ. And we say, man, I, I sinned. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I repent. I'm still tied to Christ. I'm still following after him, right? That we're no longer slaves of sin. We're slaves of Christ, um, and so, so this is what Paul is saying that this letter is to the ones God has set apart, and those who are faithful in obedience and walking um, to Him. And so, as we're we're looking at this first chapter in Ephesians, and with it being the first uh, first week, we're getting to all of three chapter or all of three verses. Um, next week, we're going to look at, at verses four through six, where there might be. Um, some eyebrows raised, and you're like, wait a minute. Uh, let's, here, let's read verses 4 through 6 real quick, um, just, just for, for fun. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purposes of his will. To the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Um, are there any words in there that, uh, that we're reading in verses 4 through 6 that maybe we might uh, find a little, little odd as we're talking about, or maybe some some conversations that maybe we haven't talked about a whole lot in the church? Predestination, God choosing, God electing, yeah. So we'll be talking about that next week. Uh, we don't have time to get into it tonight. Uh, I, was, I was planning on it, and then I was going through verse 3, and I'm like, man, verse 3 really opens up kind of the, the fullness that Paul is talking about. Um, so it's, it's, you know, I, I initially I kind of brushed verse three off. And then as I'm reading, I'm like, wait, like this kind of opens up, like talking about the fullness and the riches that are in Christ. And so it's really important that we look at verse three. Um, so verse three says this, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. The book of Ephesians is like this, this, um, bank account for believers. Um, And so verse three is telling us um, how much is in that bank account and who is the one that's responsible for depositing in that bank account and then who gets a draw from that bank account. And so let's look at this as we're wrapping up real quick. And so if we're looking at um, who is the one that has deposited into the bank account, if you will, we see that um, uh, our riches, which are in Christ, we see the blessed one, capital O, um, and the blesser are God, um, that God is the one that has has set up the bank accounts, um, and so we 're looking at Genesis chapter fourteen verse twenty which says, and blessed be God most high who has delivered you from enemies into your hand. Revelation five thirteen. and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne, to the lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Um, so God is the blessed one and he is also the blesser. Um, how do we bless God? Yeah. Yeah, how do, how do we bless God? Bingo. Nailed it. We can't give God anything, right? He doesn't need anything. He's God. He's not like, oh, I hope they thank me. I hope they bless me. I hope they pray. Like, he doesn't need that. Um, but we bless God by praising him, by giving him thanks in all situations, um, in, in success, in struggle, in trial, in comfort, good or bad, that we praise God. Why? Because he's good in all of it. Um. And that's, what, that's the highest calling for, for us is to glorify God, to bless him, to praise him. Not to get grumpy when things don't go our way, but to say, God, you're still good. God, I'm still going to praise you because you are worthy of my praise. Um, and so that's what we do. We, we praise him. That's how we bless God. Um, and because of that, we look at the ones who receive the blessings which is us, which is us, right? It's, it's, it, who's the us that receives these blessings? Paul, Paul talks about it, yeah, right out of the gate. Yeah, the faithful saints. That's, when we read the word us in Ephesians, he's talking about believers, those who are in Christ. Um, and a lot of times, you know, we'll, we'll read other books of the Bible, and so you've always kind of got to go back to who's this audience? You see the word us or we, it's like, well, who's he talking to? Most, more often than not, it's believers, um, and so this is, this is important. So, so yeah, we are the ones who get to draw from this spiritual bank account. Galatians 3.9 says, so then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith, that we get to draw from these blessings. Well, What are the blessings? It's these spiritual things um, that Paul talks about. Um, the word spiritual, when you see it in the New Testament, um, it's used in relation to the Holy Spirit. So so God has blessed us with whatever we need, whether it's in our spirit, our mind, our body, whatever else that God has given to us. And this is something that the book of Ephesians um, is getting at here, that we have all that we need in Christ. Man, he's he's giving the believers, the churches in Ephesus, in Asia Minor, something to remember, um, that we have all that we need. We have infinite riches in Christ. Listen to what um, Peter says in 2 Peter I uh, skipped ahead, there it is, is. Second Peter 1, 3. Um, his divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. It's not that God will give it to us, it's that he's already given us everything we need. All right, God give me strength, I've already given you strength. God give me peace, I've already given you peace. God give me love, I've, I've already given you these things. Not that I will, but that I have given these things to you. Colossians 2:10 tells us that we are full or we are complete in Christ, in him. We have all that we need. And so so God is the one that's put these in the bank account. We're the ones that get to draw them. What are what are we getting to draw? We're getting to draw everything that we need, every spiritual blessing. And this next part is is important that we realize where do they come from? They come from the heavenly places. So we believers hold this dual citizenship, right? That we're we while we're ble- Breathing and walking, you know, we're alive here on earth, um, but the most important place that we call home, our true citizenship is in heaven, Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so we live with this reminder that while we're here on earth, that we're going to be surrounded by things that are hostile to God. Um, we're going to be outcast, we're going to be mocked, we're going to be despised. So it's important that we remember that we hold on to our rights as citizens of heaven, that this is where our blessing lies. Um, This is where our father lives. This is where our savior lives, right? This is where our names are written down in the heavenly places. Um, And and so as we walk on this earth, um, struggling, suffering, hurting, um, we look at a verse like 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay, man, that, that these spiritual blessings are living inside these fragile bodies is what Paul is saying. That we have this immense treasure hidden inside of us. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but what? Not crushed. So this is where the spiritual blessings are coming into play. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. We look at 2 Corinthians 6.10. As sorrowful, what? Yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. Man, how is that possible? How is it possible what to be to be persecuted, but not forsaken. To be afflicted, but not crushed. To be poor, yet making many rich. How, what? It's because we have all that we need in Christ. That God is the one that's imparting all that we need to us. That we're not finding all that we need here on this earth, but it's poured out from the heavenly places. And then we look, who's the one that, that has signed off on this bank account? has given us access to this bank account. It's Jesus, that it's in Christ that we have these things. Romans eight fifteen and 17, for you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him that we're joint heirs with Christ, that if we are in Christ, all the riches that Christ has, we have. His righteousness is our righteousness. His privileges are our privileges. But this is where we have to be careful because we can go off the rails real quick here thinking that, well, if that's the case, Man, then I should never be sick. I should never be poor. I should never suffer. Man, I should be loved by all. We can fall in this prosperity gospel mindset that everything that Christ has is mine, so I am going to be successful in everything that I do here on this earth. Was Christ wealthy? No. Was Christ, did Christ suffer? Yeah. Was Christ loved by everyone? No. Did Christ have all that he needed? Yes. Yes. So we have to be careful of this prosperity gospel mindset that, hey, I'm going to thrive in everything that I do. God's going to bless me with cars and money and better job and all this stuff. We have to understand that, man, a lot of times, man, when we think of having all that we need, we have to understand that it's all that we need spiritually to to figure out life and to get through life. And that by the power of the Holy Spirit, God is working and providing us with all that we need. Now, God provides and God blesses. God blesses some people differently than others. And guess what? He gives you peace to get over it and say, okay, I'm content with what I have. Why God has blessed you different than he's blessed me or why God has has given you more than he's given me or or whatever, vice versa. Guess what? I'm going to celebrate with you. and I'm going to be content with what I have because I have all that I need. And if you're a fellow believer, then you have all that you need. Why do evil people succeed? I don't know. I don't know. But I know that here on this earth, my hope is in heaven, right? And my citizenship is in heaven. And so I have all that I need because of what Christ has done, that God has deposited into the bank, that I am the one that gets to benefit from it, um, that my treasure is in the heavenly places and that Christ has signed off so that I can be, um, I can be on the, the uh, co-share of that bank account with Christ that God has given us everything that we need. And this is, this is why I, I stopped at verse three because Paul is is saying all of these things as he is explaining the riches that we have in Christ. And so I didn't, I was like, man, I, I've got to talk about this verse because the, the riches uh, that we have, the fullness that we have in Christ is such a big theme in Ephesians that if I didn't hit on this verse first, then, you know, it would, we may not see the big picture of what Paul is getting at. Um, For those of you that maybe this first week here, you're like, you got through three verses. It happens, all right? Sometimes we get through a full chapter. Sometimes we get through three verses. Um, This is a record. When I first started the book of John, we got through five verses, so we got through three. So maybe the next book we'll start, we'll get to one verse, I don't know. But um, thank you guys for being here. you know, next week we'll get into to more of the actual book of Ephesians, um, but it's important that we set up the context, what Paul's trying to address, who it's to, um, before we kind of dive deeper into this. Uh, let's pray, and then um, you guys, it's, we'll, be, we'll be wrapping up um, after that. Father, we come before you this evening, and thank you so much for your word. God, thank you so much for uh, the truths that are poured out in your word. Thank you for the fullness that we have in Christ, um, that we have all that we need uh, in you. And so, God, I pray that we would not forget that. God, as we are going about our days and our weeks, God, good or bad, that we're able to bless you, to praise you, and thank you that you have given us all that we need um, to live in this earth. God, that our hope isn't here, but our hope is in heaven. We love you. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message.